Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap, where we dig into one big story. Today's Wednesday, June 23rd. New York opened up in-home COVID vaccinations to everyone. The Supreme Court comes down with a big free speech ruling, and we're focused on media's big union moment. Earlier today, the editorial staff of The Washingtonian magazine announced that it's unionized, joining the News Guild. This comes about one month after CEO Kathy Merrill wrote an op-ed in The Washington Post, which put a very heavy emphasis on having employees return to the office in the same capacity they did pre-pandemic. And at the time, the staff went dark for a day. Now, the Washingtonian staff says they want more of a say in issues of compensation, hiring, and having what they refer to as a, quote, healthy workplace culture. But this really goes well beyond a single magazine in D.C., For starters, there's been a recent spate of other media unionization efforts at outlets like The Atlantic and New Yorker, plus union-related tensions at much larger organizations like The New York Times. But the even bigger picture is this is really about increased stress throughout the entire country between employees and employers as we all try to navigate what work should be like after the pandemic. So today we want to speak with Jessica Sidman, a food editor at The Washingtonian, about her own workplace, and also the restaurant workplaces that she covers, many of which are facing similar issues. That conversation in 15 seconds. We're joined now by Jessica Sidman, food editor at The Washingtonian. So Jessica, let's start here. Why is the staff of The Washingtonian unionizing? I really, truly love working at Washingtonian. For me, this is a dream job in so many ways. Part of why I'm proud to join this union, because it's important to me to make this uh, the best place that it can possibly be. And I know a lot of people are going to see this uh, union drive and think that it's a direct response to the op-ed by our CEO, Kathy Merrill, in the Washington Post a while back. But it's really, it's really not that. It's really so much more than that. The issues that were raised in the op-ed have largely been resolved in, I would say, a positive way. Frankly, there's been a lot of conversation about forming a union for years and years. And in, in more recent years, you know, we've seen the positive things that it's done in other media organizations. You know, this isn't a one-issue union drive. I did want to clarify about the op-ed because I think that's what a lot of the public saw, this battle over, you know, returning to the office and flexible schedules. And I think that just underscored how important it is for us to have a seat at the table um, when it comes to just all sorts of decisions that affect our lives And we really saw how powerful it was when we all came together in solidarity. Did the pandemic change how you and your colleagues thought about a lot of these issues? It's no secret that the pandemic was hard for a lot of media organizations. And we, like many, you know, had furloughs and other austerity measures. We wanted to make sure that things weren't just happening to us, that, you know, we were part of the conversation. If if the budget is tight... If we are going to have to make cuts, like we want to have a voice in what that looks like and make sure everyone is protected and that it's good for everyone in the company. Jessica, in that op-ed, were you surprised that your employer wanted to seemingly go back to the way things were pre-pandemic? It was certainly hard to hear. It was no secret that I and others felt 
pretty demoralized by it. I will say, you know, after the action that we took and some of the backlash, the ownership has been a lot more open to hearing our perspective. And there was a committee that was formed to discuss the reopening and a staff-wide survey and all this. I mean, it shouldn't take, you know, a PR crisis for that to happen. But ultimately, I do feel like some positive things are happening out of it and that, you know, our ownership does understand that the way we go forward has to be different than the way things were. Do you see the Washingtonian unionization effort as being part and parcel of this kind of larger unionization trend in media? We are looking at the same issues that uh, a lot of other organizations are, and we're looking to the people who came before us and seeing the really positive things that they've been able to accomplish. The most recent example with The New Yorker and, and the contract they were able to get done. But yeah, I mean, I think the media industry is one where you're kind of expected to put up with a lot of maybe not the greatest pay and and other situations because of a certain level of prestige and and that aspect but there is a greater pushback i think to to everyone wanting to make sure they're making a fair living and having you know the benefits and voice that they deserve do you see this kind of pushing back against the status quo as being analogous to what other non-media industries are going through Obviously, I cover the restaurant industry, and one of the top stories right now is the staffing shortage. Every single restaurateur I talk to every day brings up the fact that they're having a hard time bringing back employees. There are many layers to that. I mean, a lot has been made, obviously, about the unemployment benefits being too generous, but it's really so much more than that. It's healthcare concerns, it's childcare, and... I think the universal thread from the restaurant industry and really no matter what industry you're in is that we've all taken this past year to evaluate our lives and think about our priorities and what's important to us and to make whatever changes are necessary for the better. What was your work covering restaurants like during the pandemic, kind of in a nutshell? Well, it was an extremely busy, crazy time. I just completely turned on its head all of a sudden. You know, we went from working on something like the best waterfront dining to our 75% of restaurants going to close in the next year, you know. So, you know, it, it's it's been great that so many people are now more invested in their local restaurants and the people who work in them. And I think there's been a lot of interest in reading about those aspects. It's been a hard time to write about the industry and there have been a lot of ups and downs, but fortunately, you know, coming out the other end, hopefully a little stronger. Obviously, restaurants and media organizations are different, but are you seeing similar tensions between employers and employees play out in that sector you cover? I would emphasize that, you know, I don't really consider myself in quite the same boat as restaurant workers. My job is a lot cushier in so many ways. I mean, for starters, I've been able to work from home during the pandemic. Restaurant workers, a lot of them have to work in tight kitchens. They have to interact with patrons who might be disobeying their mask rules and giving them lousy tips. But I do think 
what we have in common is taking this past year and looking at our our lives and what's important to us and trying to find out how to make that better for a lot of restaurant workers. It might be they don't want to be in that industry anymore. They realize that it's not as stable as it once was and they want to go on to another industry or, or start their own passion project. I, I would like to stay in my, in my job and in my industry. I really do love it, but I, I, I would also like to see it be the best it can be. Speaking of which, final question for you, kind of big picture. Do you believe from where you sit that a lot of workplaces just will not be the same post-pandemic? They can't be the same. This year has changed everything. Um, I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone who truly believes otherwise. And we've all gotten used to different ways of working, whether that's being a restaurant worker, dealing with all the new, you know, sanitation or wearing masks and QR codes, or you worked from home and you enjoy that flexibility. We all have new expectations for what our work should look like going forward. Jessica Sidman of The Washingtonian, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Welcome back. What we're watching today is the Supreme Court, which ruled 8-1 to in favor of a high school cheerleader in Pennsylvania who'd been suspended over something she posted on Snapchat about being denied a spot on the varsity squad. Or more specifically, something very profane she posted on Snapchat about being denied a spot on the varsity squad. We first discussed this case back in April, pointing out it was the first student free speech case of the internet age, and more specifically, of the mobile internet age, when what students post while at home eventually comes to campus in everyone's pockets. From the justice's point of view, what the student wrote did not create a substantial disruption of school activity that would have justified suspension. Welcome news for the cheerleader, and really for all students on social media. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Naomi Shaven, Sabina Singani, and Alex Sugiara. Please be sure to leave us a review. And if you're not already subscribed to or following the podcast, do so. Have a great national Detroit-style pizza day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap. 